When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Extra here on Bring Me News social media channels, and lots going on as always, Sam, with the Minnesota Vikings. I have a question for you to start out the show, as I so often do. All right. I want you to tell me what injury that has uh, befallen the Minnesota Vikings will be the most costly to them down the stretch of this season, as in the final six games, they'll probably need four to guarantee themselves a playoff spot or to not have potential week 18 sadness. Yeah. So is everything an injury like COVID is an injury. Everson Griffin is an injury like absent player. Yeah, I should have said absence. Yes. Because it, yeah, because it's, it's messy. It's not all injuries like of the physical kind. Um, I, I think that Everson Griffin's absence might be the most significant considering um, like that. He may not be back at all. Um, and you've got no pass rush. And he was the only thing kind of holding it all together. You, you lose to Neil Hunter. You're already saying, well, you know, Wanham didn't work out. Hunter's hurt. Griffin is the only thing left that we have on the edge. And, and now with his situation, I think it would be optimistic to assume that he'll play again this year. Um, and I think, you know, the, a lot of people would say Dalvin Cook. It's obviously Dalvin Cook. I'm not going to go there. I, I don't think that. Um, from what I've observed in the league that um, you are doomed by losing a running back. I don't think mm-hmm. it needs to be that way. Um, they weren't, and Mike Zimmer pointed this out, they were not running the ball well with him of late. And that might've been because of his previous injuries. Zimmer wouldn't admit to that, but I think that it might be a factor. Um, so I think it's, it's the guy who really has no replacement, Everson Griffin. Yeah. I think that uh, Everson is probably the right answer. If we put, you know, Daniel Hunter aside, obviously, I guess. Yeah. I didn't think about Daniel, which was kind of a given, but. Um... Oh, well, I, I think that the that's the right answer because Everson Griffin is not only a great pass rusher for you, but he's also a heartbeat of the team kind of guy where when you're struggling, he's somebody who comes up with a huge sack and changes the game. He's the guy who is giving so much to the team all the time, so much energy. He's just bringing a different force that I think was felt early in the season when he came back on board. It's like, oh, okay, now this defensive line actually scares tackles. And if you're the opposing tackle and you've got to go up against Everson Griffin all day, that is a long day for you. Like even this version of Everson Griffin is going to make a long day for you because you know he's got lots of different moves, never-ending energy. And even in the third quarter, if you've slowed him down to some extent, third, third, fourth quarter, like he can break through and make a big play. And that one play can change the entire game. Now they don't really have guys that scare you like that. Now it's 
some players who have not been here before and who you have to look up their numbers on the roster. Number 73 is to Sean Bauer for everyone. TJ Smith is number 50. If anybody was looking up that information, like these defensive linemen don't scare you. And even though Armand Watts, I think has made some serious progress this year, had six pressures against Jimmy Garoppolo and got to the quarterback. And the same thing with Sheldon Richardson. These are kind of week to week type of players where one week you could say, wow, oh, he really shined. And then we do the film study and we all look and go, oh, there might be something there. And then the next week, there's nothing there because like that's how average players work. And Sheldon Richardson at this point in his career is probably more of an average player. And he was good against Green Bay and good against San Francisco, but that's no guarantee that he's going to be good against Detroit, who actually kind of has a decent offensive line. And the fact that they also cannot stop the run and there's no answer to how they're going to stop the run opens the door for if you have any amount of time where your offense doesn't click, you're going to just give up these long drives and give up points even to potentially really poor teams like Chicago, like the Detroit Lions. And these are the games that we're circling and saying, oh, you should win this one, this one, this one, this one. But without somebody who can make a game-changing play like a sack, Everson Griffin, and without the ability to stop the run, everything is kind of up in the air now. And I think that's very different because you mentioned Dalvin Cook. I think that's very different from a running back where you know, the running back often depends a lot on how his offensive line is blocking. And I saw a chart today because it's the internet and there's always mm-hmm. charts about like, uh, I think it was something to do with running backs who create explosive plays or who have a higher expected yards or something like that. And uh, Dalvin Cook was sort of in the middle of that. And if you look at their expected points added on the ground, they have been a poor running team by how much they have produced on the ground as opposed to previous seasons. So I think missing Dalvin Cook is problematic because he can always break something big. Uh, but we just haven't seen a lot of that this year. And we definitely haven't seen it consistently. So if Kenny Wong Wu gets work along with Alexander Madison, I don't think you lose anywhere as much as you lose from the heart of your defensive line, <clears throat> excuse me, which is gone now. Yeah. I mean, 27th in rush success rate, right? I mean, Dal- Dalvin cook, I think is grading 44th out of 62 running backs. That's not very good. He's been top 10 the previous two years. Something's different about this offensive line. Um, I don't know if the scheme changed at all, losing their offensive line coach, changing offensive coordinators, but the run blocking has not been as good this year for whatever reason. I know that you change some personnel too, that might not be as gifted in that area. So that's, that's very curious how that has actually regressed to the point where maybe that's even contributed to Mike Zimmer's emphasis on the pass that suddenly the run, the run game is not getting it done. And I could see this defense kind of conversely, getting worn down by the run because while their back end is maybe sturdy enough to not give up a bunch of big plays, we could see other games that look like San Francisco where it's just kind of an offense plods along and gets first down after first down and runs like 75 plays against you and controls the clock and just does Vikings ball against the Vikings and kind of wins the game that way. I think that's got to be the concern because the Vikings are still good at recording an occasional sack with pressure. You can manufacture sacks, but what have we heard so many times is that consistent pressure is more correlating to winning. And the Vikings probably are not going to do that with this front four, and they're not going to tackle running backs and, you know, 
flashy wide receivers like Debo Samuel with this front four. So the the lack of defensive line depth is is super problematic right now. And frankly, I'm I'm super excited to see what Kenny Wangwu could bring as a as a running back. And maybe it won't be glorious, but I I at least want to like tap into that and play that card and see if anything comes of it. I think he single-handedly is uh, making Vikings fans interested in what happens down the stretch because after that loss to San Francisco, now you've put yourself in a position where the Vikings are a coin flip to make the playoffs, but guess what? So is Washington. And Taylor Heineke, all of a sudden, after a big win against the Seattle Seahawks, is almost equal neck and neck with the Vikings, and it's kind of a two-man race between Washington and Philadelphia. And I went to 538 and started typing in the playoff scenarios. And if the Vikings and Washington win, and I think maybe Philly too, I I can't remember what I put in exactly, but there's a scenario where even if the Vikings win against Detroit, which they should, that they drop a little bit behind in terms of playoff probability if Washington also wins. And now it's like you've kind of got a race on your hands because Washington has a strong football team. I mean, they have a good defense. They have some playmakers on that offense. And Taylor Heineke is playing good enough football to keep them in a lot of games. And there, there is a side point to be made. I'm going to ask you a question about Delvin Cook, but there's a side point to be made here about like your team had expectations of competing with the best of the best. And instead, you're trying to hold off Taylor Heineke, who is a backup quarterback. You're trying to hold off Jalen Hurts, who was a second round pick, who was kind of supposed to tank this year. So Philly could draft somebody else. That was the goal. Gardner Minshew might have to play for them because Jalen Hurts is banged up. And this was not where you expected to be at this point in the season, trying to hold off teams who are now going to start Taysom Hill, it looks like, for the New Orleans Saints instead of Trevor Simeon. Those are the problems that your competition has, as opposed to the Tom Brady's, the Kyler Murray's, the, the best teams in the NFC. But anyway, uh, maybe that was just an unfair sideswipe. But when I was watching Taylor Heineke, I was like, this is this is who you're battling with. This is where you are in your franchise's history at this moment. Uh, <laughs> Delvin Cook, though, hurt again. Uh, Off-field, we'll just call it issues because we don't really know how that's going to play out. So we'll just go with issues. Is he going to be on the Vikings next year if there are major changes? Like, Do you think that he would be included especially with, and I know the guys run the ball like two times, but Ken A. Wong was very exciting. Alexander Madison is totally capable. You're hitting that point where running backs start to slide a little. It's not the same this year. There are other issues. If a new general manager was brought in, does he look at that situation and go, oh, great, I have an elite running back? Or does he go, that's a guy we have to move on from because – this is going to continue to be who he is as it's been with someone like Christian McCaffrey, who's out for the season. Yeah. So wow. At the question that, that like it's even being asked because who would have assumed that, you know, when we started the year, I think the off field stuff is more likely to derail Dalvin cook than sort of his injury proneness and his positional value. Because I, I look at the contract and next year is mostly a sunk cost. I mean, the dead money is is not that far off from the actual cap hit. I don't think there's any reason to cut ties from a football management standpoint next year. Uh, I think he's on the club. I think you get into 2023, the dead cap sinks down to $6 million, and suddenly you've got some options there. Um, and then you're kind of going year to year. You're saying, is he still productive? Is he healthy? I mean, 
The guy has dealt with myriad now lower body and upper body injuries. He's kind of susceptible everywhere. It's not like a tr- you know a troublesome foot or a a knee that needs surgical repa- surgical repair every year. It's kind of everywhere with him. You know, like it it's it, at some point is the brunt of all of his injuries going to mount, and is it going to just reduce his effectiveness overall? Um, because every year this happens, where the injury happens. He's he's tough and fights back to play, but the performance is not as good at that point. And this year, the injury happened in week two, the first one, the ankle. And since then, it has not quite been the same Dalvin Cook with a couple good flashes in there. But overall, it hasn't been very good. Um, I think the new GM, you know, if that happens, steps in, probably says, all right, you know, you overspent here, but we've got him. So we may as well use him um, as long as he's effective. I would be surprised unless there's additional information with the off-field issues um, if there was a move made on Dalvin Cook before 2023 at the earliest. I would be surprised also, and I guess it doesn't have to be new GM. I just thought like, you know, the current one would be loyal to the contract he signed and wouldn't want it to look bad unless we're talking about the off-field issue um, bubbling up and having more to it, which is very possible, by the way. Uh, But See, this is how the Vikings are, though. They seem to be a year behind just about everything. Like, things that you could have predicted would go a certain way, they learn a little bit later. Like, it's the, hey, guys, uh, shouldn't you get some pass-blocking guards, you know, bigger guys who can maybe block for the interior pressure? And they figure that out later and then try to move a bunch of tackles to guard, and sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't. Uh, But, you know, the Anthony Barr contract, when it was signed, I think all of us thought the same thing. This is pretty risky. That's a lot of money to spend for that guy. And then uh, these injury issues crop up and it's just completely dusted, that contract. You could have lit it on fire. I mean, it's just been one of the worst contracts in the NFL. As much as I respect Anthony Barr, but the the guy's got to play in order for the contract to make sense. And he was a linebacker, takes a lot of punishment into, you know, a guy who's humongous also, which I think plays a role in just how much punishment He's asked to take and that position for someone like him, when you already have an Eric Hendricks is not that hard to replace. It's the same thing with Harrison Smith and his contract where right now you can already look two years in the future and go, uh, yeah, that's probably not going to work out two years from now. Kyle Rudolph, same way they sign him to the extension two years from now. That's not going to be good. So I imagine what they'll do with cook is they'll wait again, barring off field, uh, but they'll wait. And then next year he'll be even less effective and more injured. And then they'll finally move on, but it will have hurt the team as it has this year, him being out and not that good. And I think that run blocking is a part of it for sure, but not being that good has been problematic for them. It's hurt them. And that could have been foreseen with the amount of usage that they gave for him last year. And this is why people don't sign running backs to big contracts because they get hurt all the time. And so anyway, it was just, I think, an interesting thing to think about that if you were looking at this with fresh eyes and not through the, hey, remember how great he was in 2019 and 2020? And just to say, what is he right now? That's somebody that I don't think you sign up for 15 or 16 games out of a 17 game season next year, like what is it going to be? Maybe 12. Is it going to be five and a half yards to carry? Probably not. It'll probably be about four um, because that's the general trajectory of these players. And I think that this latest injury leaves them 
with some things to think about if it's the same regime making the decisions. Yeah, you know, as we speak, I'm trying to find something I wrote, I believe in January, that looked at all the running backs who have touched the ball as much as uh, as Dalvin Cook did last year and what they did the following year. And it's basically player for player, they either get hurt or they're incredibly unproductive. Maurice Jones-Drew, Arian Foster, Doug Martin, Adrian Peterson with the Vikings, 2013, LaShawn McCoy, DeMarco Murray, Le'Veon Bell. They all broke down. I mean, so this was forecastable. Um, and I apologize. Did I ignore a question of yours? Because I was looking that up and I wanted to uh, to make sure I got that. No, you did not. Okay. I, I was just uh, ranting about this decision with running backs and how, I mean, they were handing off to him for his 30th carry against Jacksonville in overtime last year. And you're sort of looking around going, Mike, I know you want to win with Delvin Cook, but you are wearing this man down to nothing in a seven and nine season. And here we are again. Uh, kind of exactly where we thought we were going to be less effective beat up. And that's where we're at. So I think because of that, weirdly, he's not the answer <laughs> to who's hurt and who could be an issue. Uh, the Darisaw thing, as we speak, we don't know what his injury status is. He could just be back next week or not. We did not get an update on that as we so often do not from the Vikings, but uh, Darisaw's injury would be, I think concerning on two levels. The first level being that, um, he's out and Rashad Hill is not as good as him. And that's just, you know, obvious. But the other part of it is that would be two injuries in his first year. That would concern you right off the bat that he had the groin issue and whatever happened. And again, we don't know how serious it is, but that one would have more ramifications for me because it would sort of throw up a red flag. Oh, is this going to be a thing where you're dealing with injuries all the time with this very talented player who I think has done a great job this year, considering his rookie status. Yeah, unquestionably. I mean, he's he's stepped in and he's maybe not been quite Brian O'Neill as a rookie, but he's been close. Like he came in about the same time in the year as O'Neill did when he was a rookie and he's been excellent. And I know that Nick Bosa got a sack in the game. That's what people remember. But Nick Bosa had his worst PFF performance of the year, which means he was not getting close to Kirk Cousins basically any other time. Excellent job by Derisaw, a little bit of excellence on, on Rashad Hill's part. But for the most part, Derisaw has been really good. Maybe one clunker mixed in there, but for the most part, excellent. Um, and if you could count on having bookend tackles for the foreseeable future, what a coup. What a coup going forward for your future you know, coach, quarterback, GM, or, or whoever it might be, some combination. And if Derisaw is going to have sort of the Matt Khalil-itis where it's something every year, yeah, that's a game changer. Um, so you cross your fingers a little bit if you're the Vikings and you probably worry about it this offseason and uh, hope it's okay. So give me this percentage mix for you through the rest of the season here. How much of you is focused on, and I guess we should say how much of fans should feel this way. How much should be focused on the guys who will matter for the future, meaning Ken A. Wongwu, can Cameron Bynum get back on the field? Do we see any more of him? Uh, Christian Derrissaw, his health situation, and younger players who are going to be here. Because there's a, a pretty big contingent that's not. But even Michael Pierce's health, he's under contract for next year. Uh, Delvin Tomlinson, how he plays down the stretch. How much of it is assessing those guys and where they stand with a complete season 
and what they mean to the future and the building blocks that the Vikings have and how much of it is just straight make the playoffs. Um, give me like a, it's not really a pie chart, but it's just like a 60, 40, 70, 30. Like, how are you feeling about that? I think you're still 80 to 90% trying to make the playoffs this week. There are a few players that, that hit me as guys that like, not only do they need to be evaluated, but they're probably not a downgrade. Like, for instance, I think Xavier Woods has been pretty good this year, save for the awful Packers game. He's been good. At one point, he was a top 10 safety on PFF. Um, I've also, I also want to see Cameron Bynum, but I'm not going to bench a good safety just to see Bynum when you have playoff chances. Now, Cameron Dantzler, I think, needs to be evaluated more than anybody on this roster. I mean, he is a you know, a blue chip pick at a vital position and is almost guaranteed to start next year. I mean, you're probably not going to have two of three, Peterson, Alexander, Breland. So Dantzler has to be in your future. And I think he's arguably better than Breland. So that that's a play that I would have made a while ago. Um, I know Dantzler got COVID and that sort of, you know, shook things up. But I think there does need to be a little bit of eye to that where you say, okay, is our future piece as talented as the current piece? And if the current piece is expiring contract and the future piece is going to be around, yeah, that's a move that I make. Um, but otherwise, no, I, I I don't think there's a ton of, I mean, you're getting plenty of defensive line evaluation by default, right? On the offensive line, the only card that you haven't really played is Wyatt Davis and I think I trust their evaluation on him. I don't mm-hmm. think I need to to have them trot him out if they don't think he's ready. Um, and Wang, you know, Wang Wu is obviously going to be part of this mix going forward. I, I guess I'm I'm only about fifteen to twenty percent concerned about that. If they lose two in a row here, then yeah, then then that percentage goes up. So I meant like really just even from your interest uh, with the team. I mean, maybe that's how you answered it, but. Uh, I mean, I, I no, don't think sure. it, I don't think it's a time for them. I, I do agree with you on Cam Dantzler. Like if it's 50 cents or a half dollar for how the guy plays, like why are you not playing the younger guy? Because clearly your coach doesn't really like him very much. And okay, Zimmer usually has a reason, but we've also seen decent players end up in the doghouse and just stay there with Zimmer. Uh, J. Ron Kurtz kind of comes to mind. He's been playing a lot for Dallas, but uh, I, I mean, even just for the interest from fans with the team, because Kenny Wongwu, I think, has caught the interest of Vikings fans because he shows some really exciting talent. And there's not that many other guys that I can think of that come no, to mind. Like, where, yeah, who's right, getting short trifted at right, this point? Right. You know, not, there's not, yeah, not that many. Right. Not that many. But I, but I think about like the building blocks in general, though. Like you mentioned Xavier Woods. Is he going to get a contract extension? And you could even stretch this point out to be about Dalvin Cook, to be about Kirk Cousins. Like maybe I should have phrased it as in, is the conversation about who's going to be here more interesting than who they're going to play if they make the playoffs as the seventh seed? Yeah, I like the way you rephrased it. Um, I, I think that I am I am still intrigued in the playoff race personally. Um, I, I like to reserve future talk for the future, and I feel like I kind of know already, right? Like, I've seen enough from Patrick Peterson to say, okay, I wouldn't mind that guy on my team going forward. I've seen enough from Brashad Breeland to know I don't want him. I've seen enough from Cameron Bynum to say, hey, Woods is fine, but we've got you on a rookie contract. You're going to be the guy. I can already tell you that that should be the decision, and you shouldn't invest heavily in two safeties. Like, that's a no-brainer to me. Um, 
I think you're going to have it out with Daniil Hunter, you know, at the negotiation table. I think Everson Griffin is, I don't know, maybe untouchable going forward. I feel I've got a pretty good read on these guys anyway. So I may as well like see what they can do, you know, with this group deeper into the season and then we'll learn more. But I've kind of made up my mind already, Collar, about a lot of this stuff. Folks, have you ever thought about taking a bike to work but figure it's too far or that the hills are too steep? Or heck, who wants to show up to work covered in sweat? Well, that's why you need to check out the electric cruiser bike from my friends at Boogie Bikes. The Boogie Bike gives you all the experience of saving gas, getting outside, and feeling the wind through your hair. Say if you have a haircut like that Green Bay quarterback. Uh, but you don't have to be an Olympic cyclist in order to get all those benefits. The Boogie Bike has a strong yet quiet motor, sensitive pedal assist, and a very comfortable seat for you to cruise along for miles and miles. Don't settle for a low quality bike. The Boogie Bike is built in Wisconsin using its highest quality parts from around the world. And honestly, it looks cool and goes fast. Go to boogiebikes.com, get yourself an electric bike today and use the promo code SKOL, S-K-O-L, to get $250 off your purchase and a nice basket as well. By the way, there is no risk within the first 15 days. You can try a boogie bike and boogie bikes have an industry leading five-year warranty as well. Again, go to boogiebikes.com. Check them out today. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Have you made up your mind already on Coach GM quarterback? And do you think that, if you had to guess, because... The Wolves don't talk a lot. It's not Jerry Jones doing his weekly radio hit where he says, yeah, we're actually going to give the ball to Ezekiel Elliott a lot this week. You're like, oh, okay. Uh, but uh, if you if you had to guess, has the mind been made up on those people, on the, the, the key triumvirate of power uh, here in Minnesota? Yeah, so I think the, the exception would be, like, I would say, I would lean toward yes. I would lean toward there's going to be a change with the exception being if you sneak in the playoffs and have a 1987-esque run where you win multiple playoff games, so getting to the, the conference title game. Here's my my crystal ball. You know, here's what I'm seeing in the future. Um, coach and GM probably parting ways with the team. Kurt Cousins, and this is a great compromise for the Wilfs, who don't really love the idea of tanking. Kurt Cousins, the ultimate bridge quarterback. Lame duck. You know what, what call him what you want, but you eat the contract in 2022, which is sort of a subtle way of tanking. If you're saying that we're going to devote that much money to your quarterback, 
Um, you don't have any resources, but you don't force it. You don't try to, you know, spend every dollar of the cap. You see if you can luck into like a 10 win season because you might. I mean, with Kirk and a different coach in a in a contract year, maybe he's super motivated and maybe you you luck into 10 games if you capture good Kirk enough times. Um, meanwhile, that contract comes off the books in 2023, 45 millions worth. And suddenly you've got like you're you're just rolling the dice like the Patriots last year with all that cash. You can build the team with your new coach and GM and probably you've drafted a quarterback probably at that point already. So I, I think that that's a logical, realistic play is that Kirk just plays this thing out. Or if there's a suitor for him, maybe you trade him before that. But I'm leaning toward change at this point. Well, there would definitely be suitors. I, I don't think there's any doubt about that. I mean, if you look at the Pittsburgh Steelers, they're totally lost at quarterback at this moment. They don't know what they're doing for the future. Roethlisberger is completely dusted. And that is a franchise that is in no place to rebuild pretty much ever and has never been below 500 with Mike Tomlin. It's an incredible statistic that even as Roethlisberger has fallen off, they have still found ways to stay 500 or better. Um, but they can't continue to do that with Roethlisberger, even if he wants to continue to play. So even they come to mind, New Orleans comes to mind. There's probably, you know, six, eight other teams that will be desperate for a quarterback that would trade for cousins. And that's where I, I wonder, have they made the decision yet of, well, look, even if they win the rest of the games or go five and one, you're still not talking about the season that we wanted. I mean, the rest of the games, 11 and six would actually be pretty good, but 10 and seven, nine and eight, eight and nine, these things are not what we wanted. And uh, these close games that they don't come through and, and so forth are sort of just, I mean, you don't get bonus points for that, right? Like Mike Zimmer said, there's no consolation prize. He's exactly right. doesn't matter to me if you lost by seven or 14 or 32. It's like you still lost and you're five and six. So as you go down the stretch here, if it ends the way everyone thinks it's going to end, where you go nine and eight, losing the first round, then I think that that path should be drawn up in stone right now. Major changes are coming after that because that really solidifies you can't, form a plan that works with these people. And so somebody's got to be thrown over the boat in order to make this change, or maybe all of them. I think if it's worse than nine and eight, then it sort of guarantees it. Um, and if they do somehow go eight and nine and go deep in the playoffs, well, okay then, right. I guess that then I don't know what the heck you're supposed to do because the playoffs could be so random that you could go seven and 10 and have Washington only win another game and Philly fall apart and everything else. And make the playoffs at seven and 10 is just miserable. And then Brady gets COVID or something, right? I mean, this, these things can happen and then you win the game and everyone celebrates it. But that, you know, this is what the, uh, the Titans did a few years ago with Mike Malarkey, where they won a playoff game in which Marcus Mariota had to catch his own pass that bounced mm -hmm. off someone and run it for a touchdown. It was a super random win. They fell apart the next week and they fired him. And everyone went, well, you just won in the playoffs. I'm like, yeah, I don't know. Super random win. Doesn't matter. We need a better coach and we need a different quarterback. And that's what they ended up doing. And they've been more competitive since for it. I think that's kind of what the Vikings are looking at. But that to me is A1 on the front page. The second page is here's the playoff race. The front page is can these people do enough? Can Mike Zimmer coach around the issues that they have? And can Kirk Cousins perform at a high enough level through this section of the schedule, which is a little lighter for them 
Uh, I think Football Outsiders has a, as a top five easiest schedule the rest of the way now. So can you take full advantage of that and win the games you're supposed to win and then get into the playoffs? I think, of course, that they should have made the decision a long time ago before even this year and said, we're sticking to it unless we make the Super Bowl and that's what we're going to do. We're either sticking with them or we're moving on. But I think we know that this ownership is not going to operate this way. They're going to wait to see what happens and then they're going to decide. So that to me is, is the biggest story of the rest of the season. So let me just ask you then, when when it comes to that, assuming ownership hasn't made up its mind, let's say that they they bring Zimmer in to rehash the season and Zimmer laments the injuries. Hey, Ziggy, look at our man games lost. You see where we rank in our man games lost? Other teams didn't have to deal with this. Uh, you see where we rank in like, close losses look how close we were so you're ziggy what do you what do you say back to that i guess i would say mike it's not you it's me it's really not that you're not a good coach and i actually think that the recent games where they have he keeps saying we've continued to fight it's true they really have i mean they have not mailed in any game uh i think they got their tails whipped in San Francisco more than the final score indicated, but they continue to play hard all the way down and had the ball with a chance to go tie the game at the end uh, against the good San Francisco team that played really hard. And okay. So Mike has kept them on the tracks. I think he's schemed fairly well defensively. Uh, the decisions have been spotty as they are almost every year. Sometimes they're good. Sometimes they're not. Uh, but I still think that Mike Zimmer is a really far above average football coach uh, that there, there are so many guys in this league that have no idea what they're doing. That Zimmer is like on a completely different plane than those guys on any given weekend. He can go coach against Kyle Shanahan or Matt LaFleur or any other of the best coaches in the NFL. And he's not getting his uh, tail whipped by those coaches schematically decisions, all those things. Most of the time, it's just that, how could you argue that he's the right coach for this team going forward if it looks the way it looks? If this didn't work, where we said, Mike, let's go to free agency and get you all the players you need around this gigantic quarterback contract, and it didn't work, is that what you're going to do again and, and ask him to just coach a bunch of new players again? And, uh, oh, this draft pick will fill that spot. And everything. Like, are we, is that the way to go? So it's not that he can't coach. It's really that it's it's just not the right fit. It seems to me you need a fit that's going to be like a three to five year plan to get you back to an NFC championship. And nobody wants that. Like the Wilfs don't want that. That's been clear for years. Uh, fans don't want that. That's why a lot of fans want to stick with Kirk Cousins for the rest of eternity so they could just be in the seventh seed until we all die. But like at some point you have to decide that this just – this simulation we live in just doesn't really work and you have to be realistic with yourself. So I guess that's what I would say is like, Mike, I agree with everything you're saying. You played a lot of close games. You were still good on third downs where you could coach up the X's and O's, the injuries, the Hunter, the, the Griffin, the whatever, all these other things that you went through COVID. But that's not really the point, right? That That's how I, that's how I would think of it. Yeah, I, I like your point. And I, I talked about Paul with Paul about this on, on Hot Routes today about how we are looking at, if Zimmer is here or not, another complete defensive revamp. You, you probably keep your staples, Kendrick Smith and I assume Hunter. But other than that, 
most of them are going to be gone. It's going to be another entirely new defense. The only way to sort of recreate what Zimmer once had is to have, you know, some really good drafting, a lot of cap space to keep guys together for a while. And you can't just like create that overnight, you know, that there's never going to be that level of synergy unless you have time. And to create the resources to have that time, you kind of need to like start the clock over with someone else and wipe your books clean and just build it up again. And that's usually best done with somebody who, you know, it's, it's not fun for the same coach to climb up the mountain, yep. climb all the way back, like avalanche, oh, all the way back down and then trudge back to the top again. That's just hard on everybody honestly like don't even like as a favor to mike zimmer don't let zimmer have to go through that again because that's i think what's required here sam ekstrom here wondering if you're stuck on your company's injury report in an unfortunate situation like that it's good to have someone in your corner that's where kemet sanford and kramer law can help you understand your rights under minnesota's workers compensation laws There's enough uncertainty in our lives nowadays that the last thing you want is to feel helpless if you wind up in a bad situation after a workplace injury. Kemet, Sanford, and Kramer will fight for you if there's been a wrongfully denied work comp claim so you can get the benefits you deserve. If your claim's been accepted, they help with rehabilitation disputes, medical disputes, help you get a second opinion, and ensure you're getting all the benefits you're entitled to on an accepted claim. Kemet, Sanford, and Kramer will provide you with dedicated and experienced disability attorneys that have secured their clients tens of millions of dollars. Our good friends Mike, Pat, and Evan will handle all that messy legalese to and from the insurance company about your claim while you focus on what's important, your recovery. And there's no cost involved for reaching out to Kemet, Sanford, and Kramer. In fact, you don't pay a dime unless they successfully obtain your benefits. You get paid, then they get paid. It's that simple. The website is yourminnesotaworkcomplawyer.com, where you can find a phone number to get a free consultation. This is an attorney advertisement from Kemet, Sanford, and Kramer, yourminnesotaworkcomplawyer.com. Well, and I look at some other coaches around the league who are not good but might have decent teams where you're thinking Mike Zimmer would be perfect for them a team that's sort of hanging around with decent players that just is getting bad coaching Uh, about Jacksonville after urban Meyer uh, eventually goes back to college. Cause that's where the real money is. Or uh, when urban Meyer has, um, you know, maybe some stomach acid problem that he has to walk away because he was not capable of coaching in the NFL. I mean, that's a good position to be in. If you're Zimmer or team on the rise, that's young, that needs to be coached the right way by an actual NFL coach and not a con artist. That would be a good idea for them. Right. So, uh, yeah, I mean, I think even for his sake, it's like if they had traded him after 2019 to Dallas, a team that had the quarterback and was needed to get their defense together, that would have been like a better fit for a team that was tearing its defense all the way down. And then saying, Mike, just, you know, just coach up like Jeff Gladney. Does he know what he's doing? No course not you deal with that right i mean that's kind of what they've asked him to do and then this year it was here's a bunch of new players who other teams didn't want go get them tiger and a couple (laughs) of them got hurt a couple of them were not good i'm not saying he's not responsible it's just that is it a fit where he is right now and of course this can all change if you win all the rest of your games and you beat the rams and you beat the packers and you blow out these other teams and you go into the playoffs at 10 and seven, and then go to the NFC championship game. It's just, 
if we're putting odds on how these things play out, that's probably not at the top of the list. And I think that's how they might feel uh, when they get to that um, conversation. So uh, I got a game for our last Mm. few minutes of the show here uh, called the comparison game, because it's one of the fun things that we do in football is we say, here's this up and coming quarterback. He's like a young whoever, but in my game, I have five of them. You can compare these to anything. I mean, other NFL players, inanimate objects, television, movies, society, whatever you want. You can compare them to anything. So I have five of them. So let's start right out with Kirk Cousins is like blank. What would you compare Kirk Cousins to, Sam? Um, Kirk Cousins is like your old high school buddy that you see once a year on Thanksgiving. And you realize every year that you're, you're just, you don't have as much in common, right? Like he was kind of awesome in high school and you're like, man, like you're, you're going to go places. I, I can, I can tell. And then every year you touch base and you think, man, is it going to be different this year? <laughs> and you meet up at your favorite watering hole and, and, uh, and he orders like some weird, you know, foreign tap. And you're like, ah, you're kind of an odd guy. I don't know if we're like the same anymore. Um, I don't know if I'm, I don't know if I'm going to keep texting you and, and being your buddy. That's Kirk Cousins to me. I don't know if like he ages very well. I guess I was thinking where you were maybe headed with it was that he always has some reason why like his business hasn't gotten going yet. <laughs> right? It's like, well, you know, the drought that's uh, last year, whatever, you know, that kind of thing. That was it. Uh, I compared Kirk Cousins to a Honda Civic, which is uh, not coincidentally the car that I drive. My Honda Civic gets good gas mileage, very efficient. It is uh, effective. It drives me where I need to go. Good gas mileage. It's comfortable. um, And it does the job. And I would endorse it for anyone. In fact, Honda, if you want, feel free to contact us. But uh, it's a good car. It's good. And, And I have nothing bad to say about my car. However, if I go past 70 miles an hour, uh, you know, things get a little shaky. There are other people who drive Maseratis, Corvettes, Jaguars, the sexy cars, the Mahomes and, you know, these other players, these other quarterbacks, the Aaron Rodgers, the Tom Brady's. And if we're if we're just cruising along and I need to get to point A to point B and everything's going all right for me, we're fine. If I pull up to a light and there's a Maserati next to me, they blow right by me. And I feel like there's kind of the same thing there. As, so you have all these people who uh, want to defend Cousins with different statistics and everything else. It's sort of become an online personality to tweet out Cousins statistics and all that. But the reality of what we've seen here is that he can operate what you ask him to do as long as it's only so much to a very effective level, just like the Honda Civic. It can operate driving me from here to Chicago at 70 miles an hour super effectively. But if I were racing to Chicago with somebody else who has a Corvette, I'm going to lose by a lot. And that's where it feels like we are. Or or how about this? If we hit really bad weather, my neighbor who's got like the Suburban will be able to plow through that like Josh Allen, Kirk Cousins, maybe not so much. So I went with Honda Civic. Uh, Mike Zimmer is like my push mower. 
You know, it's <laughs> it's it's been getting the job done for many years. It is still effective. I could turn it in for a new model, but you know, it it mulches up the leaves and it, it goes right over the sticks. And, you know, sometimes it'll like spit a rock out or something. It'll ding up the inside and the, the inner workings will will get dented and um, it's not in the best shape. Um, it's not going to last forever. It's I'm probably just going to, you know, use it until it dies and, and never wakes up. But I uh, I'm going to stick with it because it is familiar and it has a baseline level of of productivity and efficiency uh, cutting my grass. I like that. Yeah, very solid. Uh, uh, a grinder, if you will. Mm-hmm. I went with a boxer in the ninth round. I mean, Mike Zimmer is over with Mick in the corner and Mick saying, keep fighting, Zimmer. Yeah, <laughs> I know you can't see out of one eye, but I'll cut you. And, uh, you know, <laughs> like I'm going to go out there and he's going to keep swinging and, and he's going to keep giving as much as he can because you know this about Zimmer. You have to give him credit for this, that he is a live or die football person who is going to give every ounce of his soul to try to win these football games. Uh, in fact, like he was still watching the film after the thing with his eye happened, which was like, Mike, should you not do that? Or like, isn't this serious? But he didn't care. He said he'd rather lose the eye than stop watching film football. Uh, I think he's like the boxer in the ninth round because it's almost over. And he's bleeding from every part of his body. And he's been knocked down about 15 times. And does he have that one swing at the end where he hits Apollo Creed? Or does he just get, you know, knocked down at the end of the match? Like by Ivan Drago, like what happened to Apollo Creed in Rocky IV. Uh, Justin Jefferson is like. Justin Jefferson is the girlfriend that you happen to have and maybe feel like you don't deserve, but you should probably treat her better. So she doesn't leave (laughs) you. (laughs) Right. Like, uh, uh, you know, that movie, that, that rom-com you're out of my league. It's kind of like that. You're like, wow, we stumbled upon (laughs) this incredible, uh, partner. And now we're kind of ignoring her sometimes. And we're not texting her back, even though she's really cool. Why are we do, why are we self-destructing our relationship like this? We just had one just like this that we didn't learn our lesson from. Um, make sure that you, you know, make a nice dinner for Justin Jefferson. <laughs> Why and know, dine him? If one great girl dumps you, okay, maybe she had some issues. If two great girls mm-hmm. dump you, it's you. Uh, now, I originally said Carl Anthony Towns, but I might change my answer to Anthony Edwards because I was thinking about when you were talking. Anthony Edwards is the most exciting player in Minnesota sports. Uh, Justin Jefferson probably tied. Uh, but Anthony Edwards could touch the ball way more times per game. So what you get in value of watching him, it doesn't depend on another guy. Uh, but with the Anthony Edwards compare, also I'll go both for different reasons. Anthony Edwards is don't you mess this up, Minnesota. <laughs> that's, that's, that's why I would say Anthony Edwards. Cause you look at it and go, are you going to do the thing where the guy ends up winning a championship for Memphis or something like five years from now uh, with Ed, with Carl Anthony towns though, Carl Anthony towns is a tremendous, tremendous player but there's only so much that a center or a big man can do to drive their team's success. Like they need a lot of help. They need uh, penetration scores. They need the right matchups. They need the right system. And that, that goes for almost anybody. If you're not 
I mean, even Tim Duncan had the right system. If you're not Hakeem Olajuwon, you're probably going to be kind of reliant on other things around you to whether your team wins if you're a big man, even though you are great. That's where I would put Justin Jefferson. Uh, how about this? The 2021 Vikings are like? They are like a group of spring breakers who said, we're going to go down to Sal Padre Island for two weeks and we're not going to take one break. We're, we're going to go out every night. We're not going to take any nights off to, to, to recoup. We're just going to go hard every night, stay till bar closed, shut the place down. I don't care if we're sick. I don't care if we're hurt. We are literally not going to take a break. That's the Vikings every week. There are no nights off. There are no weeks off. It is like all the way to the finish every single week. And at some point, there's a price to pay. I'm sorry. But, you know, after those two weeks down in South Padre, you're going to have a massive hangover. And I feel like it's coming for the Vikings at some point. I don't know if it's like after the season or maybe against the Lions. But at some point, it's going to catch up to them. um, And there will be a price to pay the next morning with a pretty bad headache. Scream Soldier Field. It just, right? Just that they go to Soldier Field and that's where it all breaks because that's where it usually does break. I went with the 2021 Vikings are like a 90s blockbuster movie because there have been a lot of fireworks on a week-to-week basis. The games are nuts. The storylines are crazy. Totally unpredictable stuff happens. We got things blown up over here. Characters being killed off. All sorts of crazy stuff, right? But at the end, you go... Was it a great story, though? I mean, like, was I really satisfied or was it just a bunch of Michael Bay stuff moving around and exploding? And then the story wasn't really all that satisfying. And that would be your eight and nine record or your nine and eight record. Or I'm ultimately not super moved by what happened in the end. But I did see a lot of crazy bleep along the way, right? Like that. I, that's why I think that they're like a 90s uh, blockbuster. And and we just, well, it was a late 80s. We, just watched The Untouchables the other day. I don't know if you've seen that one, but a classic late 80s blockbuster with Sean Connery, Kevin Costner, like the whole thing. Uh, last one for you. The rest of this Viking season will be like. The rest of this Viking season will be like the end of a NASCAR race, except not not for the winner, not for like second place, but it'll be the clump of cars that are all crossing the finish line at the same time for like sixth, seventh and eighth place. Oh, sure. um, because there's literally a log jam. There's like four t- or no, six teams within half a game in the middle of the NFC. And I don't know if anybody cares who comes in seventh in a NASCAR race. You're not, you're not kind of trying to pick through the screen. <laughs> oh, that guy got seventh. No one cares. But the guy who got seventh, might care a little bit. Maybe the prize money is better. I don't know how NASCAR works, but it's going to kind of look like that where they're kind of just like no one else is really focused on them nationally. No one is looking in that spot, but the Vikings know they're in that spot and gosh darn it, they're going to try to be the best of the rest in that race. Yeah. And if you finish seventh in NASCAR, your team is excited. Yay. But like they don't give out any trophies for that. Uh, is Rusty Wallace still around? Um, I literally <laughs> don't know. <laughs> been a while. Uh, so uh, I went with the rest of the season is like going home for the holidays. Because you kind of hold your breath when you know that you're doing this. 
Like you're going, well, I hope this goes okay because there's a lot of potential pitfalls to going home for the holidays. You, you, know, you could have some bad moments. You get cornered by your uncle who's got a lot of political takes and wants to lecture you about, uh, I won't even say what I was thinking, but you know, that kind of thing. Right. Um, and what you hope for is that it just goes okay and you survive it and you get through it and you have some nice moments. So you hope that you get, say, Ken A. Wong will returns another kick for a touchdown or a nice, I'm not an eggnog fan, but a nice glass of eggnog by the fire and you have a good conversation with uh, your cousin, Kirk Cousins, right? I mean, you hope for just it not to completely blow up and end up with someone throwing a turkey at somebody else and have some big family implosion. That's what you're kind of thinking about the rest of the season. And if it turns out that you have a great time going home for the holidays, the food was great. Everybody was nice. The person that you hate in your family didn't show up. Well, then you go, okay, we kind of got out of this much better than we thought we were going to home for the holidays. And also one more like thing that. about home for the holidays is how at home do Vikings fans feel with this situation right here? Oh, you have to go to Chicago. Oh, there's another team cha chasing you down. You're a 500 football team who needs to watch the In the Hunt graphic. Nothing feels like home to Vikings fans, like talking about how the Washington football team's backup quarterback could chase them down. You nailed it. Is that, is that too cynical? I mean, that's my whole Twitter these days. <laughs> yeah, no, it's, it's, it's true. It's happening. And while you can't convince me that Taylor Heineke is good, he very well may derail the Minnesota Vikings. He's uh, Case Keenuming at the moment, I think is what they should call it. Anyway, well, this was fun, Sam. I think you did a great job with the comparison game, and we'll definitely bring that back. And if you're listening and you made it this far, well, first of all, thank you. And I guess uh, happy home for the holidays trips to everybody for Thanksgiving and Christmas. But um, also, if you're uh, watching us for the first time, Purple Insider uh, is the podcast. Go there, listen to it every day. We do shows, lots of awesome guests and everything else. Um, so I appreciate that. And also feel free to tweet me or send me your comparisons also for those things that I named off. I would love to have them. So thanks a lot to bring me the news for hosting us here as they always do. And we will be back next Tuesday. Thanks for watching everybody.